A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download The Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County takes senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 79 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. After a two-episode break from our Dynasty and Prospect ranking series, we're back into it today with the illustrious shortstop position. And with me to break it down, as usual, is my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, man? We're back, baby. Hadn't gone anywhere, but back with the rankings. I'm pumped. This is uh, obviously probably the best position to discuss. It's cool. insanely deep. We were just counting how many shortstops are in our both dynasty and prospect rankings. And I think I have 78 in my top 500 dynasty, and you had how many? Uh, 2.6 million. Yeah. No, uh, for dynasty, I had uh, 75 in my top 500, and for prospects, I think it was 101 yeah. in my top 400 there. So, yeah, it's, it's deep, deep, deep. No joke. I've got like 90 prospects in the top 400, but we know like a lot of prospects move off the position. So it's still <laughs> fun to discuss. There's still shortstops right now. So we're going to discuss them today. A lot of fun stuff here to talk about. So let's get into it. What what do you, what do you mean, Chris? Not all 101 of my prospect shortstop prospects can play shortstop in the future. Hmm. Not enough for him. Only 30 spots. So ah, come Somebody's on, got to get pushed. Come on, man. No, yeah, Absolutely. Some move to second, some will outgrow to third or corner outfield or move to center. Yeah, it's always uh, like everyone wants to play shortstop, right? Like you look at like w- when you're growing up and playing, you know, in, in little league and high school ball, it's like, all right, where's the best athlete usually go? Shortstop for the most yeah. part. So everyone wants to play shortstop. I know it's the the sexy position out there and all the grades that have played it over the years. Yeah, so everyone wants to play shortstop. But as Chris said, not everybody can play shortstop. But right now, these guys are all shortstop eligible and played there at least to some extent in the 2021 season and this is gonna be a really fun episode so let's get right into it but in case you missed our previous two episodes here go back and check those out we did our dynasty rankings kind of risers and fallers 
uh, last end of last week from our recent updates over on FantraxHQ.com. So go check that one out. That was a lot of fun, a lot of intriguing names there. And then earlier this week on Monday, we had a great interview with San Diego Padres outfield prospect Robert Hassel III, about 25 minutes or so. It's a lot of great stuff from Robert. He was a great interview, good good guy to talk to. So definitely go check that out. Even if you're not a Padres fan, it's just if you love baseball, there's a lot of good baseball talk in there. Uh, so go check that out. But before we get into this week's episode, let's get the usual housekeeping out of the way here. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I am at EricCross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed for extra content from both of us, including Dynasty ADP stuff on there, which is great. We have a was it 10 ongoing drafts, Chris, or was it more 10, than that? Yep, there's 10 ongoing okay. mocks, and I'll be constantly adding other Fantrax Dynasty leagues that are that are standard 5x5 five five like we're doing. So I know Nathan Longfield, uh, Dynasty One Stop, he runs a lot of those Dynasty leagues. He's going to send me some data. I'm also going to see what I can do and get from, from Fantrax itself. So I'm hoping it'll be a static thing and keep, you know, keep producing and keep having in this ADP system that'll be ongoing. So hopefully it's very helpful for, for everybody. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm in League Two, round nineteen or twenty right now. It's been a lot of fun, and yeah, this ADP is is a great resource. We get the top fifty up on our Patreon for free. Go check that out, and if you want to see more and see all the other you know written stuff and audio podcasts we do, and Discord and live rankings updates, all that good stuff, feel free to subscribe there. We have multiple tiers for whatever you want to get into. So uh, again, page, uh, patreon.com slash toolshed. And, of course, check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the Fantrax HQ Network, including our Fantasy Baseball Draft Kit for 2022, which is in full swing right now. A lot of staff rankings, sleepers and buzz. We're going to be adding a lot of good stuff, obviously, prospect and dynasty stuff as well. Uh, so go check that out at FantraxHQ.com. But let's get right into it, Chris. We'll start with the dynasty side of things. Start with our top 10 rankings for dynasty at shortstop. Who you got? All right. No surprise. Number one here, Fernando Tatis Jr., followed by Bobachette, Trey Turner, Wander Franco, and Xander Bogarts rounding out the fifth spot. And then six through 10, Bobby Witt Jr., Trevor Story, Corey Seager, Tim Anderson, and Francisco Lindor taking the 10th spot. All right. We have only one different name in the top 10. I, I don't have Lindor. He's 11 for me, but my top 10, obviously. As with Chris, Fernando Tatis Jr., number one, Bo Bichette, Trey Turner, Wander Franco, Bobby Witt Jr. at five, six through ten, Xander Bogarts, my boy from the Boston Red Sox, Corey Seager, Trevor Story, Tim Anderson, and my ten is Marcus Semien. But I guess we'll, let's start with a little Francisco Lindor talk. It's a guy I wanted to get into here. You know, he has been a kind of one of the gold standards at this position for the last, you know, at least half decade here. Kind of had an up and down season uh, this past year. His first season in New York with the Mets here. Uh, over 125 games, uh, missed a little bit of time with an injury. You know, only a 230, 322, 412 slash line. The power speed was still there, though. 20 ste- uh, excuse me, 20 home runs and 10 steals and 524 plate appearances. And I think we, we still have him in a similar range, me 11, you 10. Uh, where is he in your overall? Is he still top 50 in your overall, I'm assuming? Um, he's borderline if he's not, I'm, I don't have it right in front of me, but he's, he's right in that range. Yes. Same for me. So I think it's safe to say that we're still in 
at least to some degree on Lindor. Obviously, I think I think there's a good chance for a bounce back. Obviously, I don't think he's a 230 hitter, but at the same time, you know, he was never a guy that had the great underlying metrics, but he was a guy that still had good metrics and always had the the volume there um, to help with that. He was always a high volume guy, which is that's a skill too. Like that's an underrated skill that I think gets overlooked often. Is you know, maybe you know we get caught up with the analytics and you know baseball savants and you know guys that don't have like the super red profiles on savant, but you got to stay on the field and you got to accumulate plate appearances or innings pitch on the pitching side of things. And Lindor does that. Well, up until this last year, but where, where are you at right now on Lindor and dynasty leagues, Chris? Yeah. So I pulled it up. I have him 44th overall. I think that he's still a top 50 player. You have to think that first season in the big apple, I mean, a lot of pressure, like the Mets were expected to be a stud team. And that puts a lot of pressure when you come in and you're signed for that kind of deal. I mean, he signed what 10 year, 341 million or 11 year. He signed for 341 million. So the expectations were through the roof. And actually, the the metrics are good. I mean, his barrel rate was the second best of his career, dating back to 2018. He had a 9.5% barrel rate, 8.2 this season. The average exit velo was good as well. Max velo was fine. Everything looks good. The launch angle is ideal at 14.4 degrees. It's all things that you really like to see. It just really didn't seem like it just worked out. Maybe some bad luck went his way. But overall, I, I think that he hit the ball to all fields well, and maybe there were some bad luck factors from where he just you know hit balls right at people. But I really do expect that he bounces back next season. You know, the batting average is probably my biggest question mark. Like, where in the world does that end up? Because we've seen mm-hmm. him kind of regress every season of his career, which is interesting. And he started out as a 21 year old hitting 313, hit, then hit 301, saw it drop to 273, 277, 284. Then 258, 230 last season. You know, I think 250 to 260 is probably reasonable. I think we can expect him to hit 25 home runs and steal 15 bags. So, with that being said, I do expect a good rebound here from Lindor. I do too. And we almost, you said you had him 44th in mm-hmm. your overall. Yep. Yeah. I, I just looked, I have him 43rd overall. So, okay. yeah, we're, we're very close. And, you know, he did kind of pick things up a little bit as the season went on. Now you look in the first half, slash 225, 325, 373. Second half, 241, 316, but with a 496 slugging. And really kind of busted out in September. 257, 346, 549 with nine home runs and 25 RBI across 130 plate appearances. Though didn't steal any bags in September, but at least the power was still there. It was still walking a decent amount overall. So, yeah, I, I think there's still a path back to, you know, I don't think, 2017 18 19 levels where he had three straight 30 plus home run seasons uh two straight 20 plus steal seasons 2018 2019 i don't know if a 30 20 guy is coming back but i can see 25 15 from him the i think i'm a little more optimistic with the average maybe 260 so slightly higher but you know and with a, a decent enough obp you know 340 or so he's never been a great obp guy walk rates have been super high I don't think he's ever actually eclipsed 10% in any one season. But again, actually, he did this past year. I'm sorry. I went over 10% for the first time in 2021. But I think 
I don't think there's a, a reason to be kind of worried about any long-term lingering, you know, injury problems here. Like I said, this was the first time he's really missed a significant time. Yeah, he missed 19 games in 2019. Still had 654 plate appearances there, and then 684, 723, and 745 previous three years, and then even led the league in plate appearances in the shortened 2020 season. So, yeah, I think 25-15 is still attainable. Solid average OBP, you know, good amount of you know runs scored in RBI getting in the middle of a, a pretty solid Mets lineup that I think will be improved uh, this year. Uh, even if they, they might even add some more guys, they might not be done once the <laughs> lockout comes out. So uh, yeah, I think there's a nice little bounce back, a nice little buy low opportunity here for Lindor. And like you mentioned, the expectations were super high on him. So New York is whether you're Yankees or Mets, it's New York. So it's yeah. always, especially with that contract that you mentioned 10 years, 341 million, even more expectations go along with that. So yeah, I think it's going to be a nice little bounce back for Lindor in 2022. Nice by low in Dynasty. And speaking of insanely high expectations, I think the expectations might even be higher on this next guy we're going to talk about, and that's Wander Franco, who just debuted this past year with the Tampa Bay Rays. The you know, For many people, was the number one overall prospect in baseball for the last couple of years. Yeah, some of us did bump Jared Kelenic up ahead of him mm. for their debuts. We all know how that went. Not I. Not I. <laughs> no, not Chris. Chris stood, stood by uh, Wanda Franco. I did move Kelnick ahead, which I stand by at the time. Um, There's reasons for that. It wasn't just because he's my boy. There was reasons behind that, and others did. A few others did as well. But Kelnick is. We'll get into Kelnick next episode when we get to the outfield. But you know, a little bit of up and down. Started kind of. You know, it was a modest debut for Wander, but then really, really picked it up as the season progressed. Ended up hitting 288, 347, 463, seven home runs and two steals in 70 plate appearances and had a pretty solid showing uh, in the playoffs as well for Tampa Bay. But then really, you know, after his June hit 194, July 256, and then August and September, Wander Franco came to play. 313 average in August, 338 in September. That's the Wander we all expected right there. Oh, oh, slugging was over 500 combined in those two months, but you know at the same time, I was we we know the hit tools there, right, Chris? Like this is an 80 grade hit tool. I don't think I've ever put an, an 80 grade in anybody else's hit tool ever in my time doing this. But you know the power and speed is still kind of questioning how how robust is that area of his game, which maybe limits him a bit in fantasy. So with him being where was his ADP? Uh, was he top 10 ADP in the Toolshed or the ten drafts we have for the Toolshed Dynasty mocks right now. Actually, I don't think he was. Let me uh, let me pull that real he, quick. He must have. He must have been. He went uh, seventh in mine. I think. I think we might we might have set, set the min. There was a lot of min picks in my <laughs> my especially on prospects. Like it was yeah. crazy. Like I think most of the min picks you'll see on prospects in this ADP were from my league too. But even if he wasn't top ten overall in the ADP, he was really close and you see him top 10 in a lot of rankings too he was he had a adp in the 10 leagues of 14.1 min pick of seven and max pick of 21 okay why could i be in the 21 league or like right you got keel off at like pick what 108 or whatever i had a yep. kill 94 like everybody was going super high in mine but anyway so adp of 14th and rankings you see him in some top 10s i have him currently 11th in mine this could be peak value we're looking at here and maybe it's a good time to sell high. Obviously the, I don't expect the hit tool to go anywhere, but maybe he's only a 20 Homer eight to 10 steel guy, which is still very good. That's still going to put you 
you know, top 25 overall, but is he a top 10 dynasty asset long-term? I think that's the question here. Yeah. And you're right. I think that honestly, this may be the the best time to sell him because, you know, his debut was, was good, like good enough where like every other prospect failed last year. Wander did not. And so I think the value is, is sky high. You mentioned how well he performed from August on. I mean, from August, first to the end of the season his slash was 323 383 506 506 slug is is great especially for the guy his age but he did only hit four home runs he didn't attempt a stolen base over those two month span that's where i'm worried i don't know how much he steals and i'm not very bullish on the power so there's no questioning no questioning the bag average his his contact rates were insane, and those final two months, his zone contact was ninety three point six percent. His overall <laughs> contact eighty nine percent. O contact out of the zone contact eighty one point six percent. Pretty good, pretty yeah. good. Swinging strike rate five point six percent. Just insane. Like he doesn't miss. He doesn't swing and miss at all, and he doesn't chase that much. He's aggressive in the zone. He does everything you want him to do. He's an elite contact hitter. He's going to hit for an elite average. Like Wander is going to be a career 300 hitter. You can probably go ahead and book that. But I wonder if he's more of a 2022 home run and five stolen base type guy, which, yeah, there's there's value for that with the average. And you probably expect him to score a lot of runs as well and drive in a good amount of runs. I just don't know where that value is actually falls when there's not a ton of power. And I don't think the speed or the, and not the speed in general, but the stolen bases are very bankable. So that's my concern. And I do think you can get a King's ransom for him right now. So I, I might cash out personally. Yeah. I, I mentioned several episodes back that I did that in my home league. I traded away wander to a friend of mine for uh, Brandon Woodruff and a, the number one overall pick in our draft, which is going to turn into, it's a keeper league. Uh, it's got, I'm going to use on Bobby Witt jr. So, uh, who obviously we both love Witt Jr. We'll get into him later on. Uh, but yeah, I think that's the type of trade that I would do 10 times out of 10. I, I sucked giving up Wander, obviously, but I think it was it, now is the right time to at least entertain him. We're not saying let's get rid of him, but mm-hmm. at, at least listen to offers because you could yeah. probably get, like Chris mentioned, a King's Ransom for Wander Franco right now. You know, obviously, Chris, there's, there's so many elite names here. Like we're looking at like our overall list. Three are in my top five Tatis, Bobachette. Turner and the rest of my top 10 is all I uh, said so Semyon's 10th overall in, at this position for me but 40th overall so a lot of elite names here if is if you could pick one name here that you're thinking all right all right now is a, obviously outside of Wander now is a good time to maybe sell who would that be for you um possibly oh I don't want to say Trey Turner because I love Trey Turner but you're looking at the number one ADP for redraft leagues everyone is Super hype on him. And yeah, Turner's the most consistent probably player in baseball, but we've seen him go through injuries. And I, I fear, I don't fear he's going to get injured. I don't think he's an injury prone player, but you know, with age, speed only declines. He's grown into more power. So I wonder, like, is he, and I don't see this path, but as he continues to age, will he be like a Jose Altuve type player that, you know, keeps the power and doesn't steal much? That'll be interesting to see how Turner really pans out into his 30s. But Turner's value may be at peak right now. So I think he's – and that's that's just the name of the game. It's not that I don't like Turner. I'm taking Turner number one in a redraft league. 
but the name of the game of dynasty is knowing when to buy and to sell. So this may be the the best time to, to sell Trey Turner. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you there again, not saying to get rid of them, but Trey Turner is definitely, I think could be peak value right now. I definitely agree there. Uh, going on the flip side of things here. One guy that I'm looking to buy right now is Corey Seager. I know he, he was been injured off and on throughout his career. There's only, he hasn't exceeded 600 plate appearances since 2017, but I think last year he only played 95 games, but he was really, really good in those 95 games. Slash 306 to 94, 521, 22 doubles and 16 home runs in 409 plate appearances. And you look at his savant page, all of his quality of contact metrics are elite. He had a 295 XBA, 326 XBA in 2020. Max exit velo is there. Barrel rate is super high. A- average exit velo is super high. You know, all of his, you know, Woba, X Woba, X Woba Con, hard hit rate, all great. Good approach as well. Uh, so I think right now he's entering his, you know, tw- age 27 season. I think there's a nice little bounce back here for Seager. So if you can get him for any type of discount in Dynasty Leagues, I would definitely look to do so. Let's move on here to our 11 through 20 in our rankings. And for me, that is, as I mentioned, Francisco Lindor at 11, Carlos Correa 12, Javier Baez 13, Novi Marte 14, Jazz Chisholm 15, CJ Abrams 16, Adabato Mondesi. Uh, I don't like that I have 17, <laughs> but I got to take my my personal opinions of him out and rank him how I think he should be valued. He's at 17, and then 18 through 20, Anthony Volpe, Willie Adames, and Jake Cronenworth, the multi-versatile Jake Cronenworth at 20. Chris, who you got there? All right. Surprisingly, I don't even have uh, Alberto Montesi in my top 20, so that's pretty See, impressive that I, you have Again, I know it's yours as OBP. We talked about this recently. I, yeah. dropped it. I just don't look at anybody who's lower than me on, on Montesi. It's really <laughs> like, as as Peter Griffin would say, that really grinds my gears. Like, <laughs> I got to drop him down to like, 30th in this position no, just kidding, to be the lowest yeah yeah just to be lowest all right well our top 10s we mentioned were very similar i have marcus Simeon at 11 you had him at 10 so our top 11 are the same same guys and then followed by carlos correa cj abrams noel b Marte, jazz chisholm in the 15th spot and then 16 through 20 is javier Baez, anthony volpe willie adamas dansby swanson and then jake cronenworth did you have cronenworth 20 also i did yeah yep nice Cronenworth, I, I've gotten him in a lot of drafts. I even got him in the uh, the Tulsa Dynasty mock that I'm in. I got him uh, picked. I want to say it was like 154 or something like that. He is he's very underrated, I think, because he doesn't have like he doesn't put up huge stats or have any like one offensive tool that you look at. You're like, oh wow, like look at that. But he's just a really this this is a ball player. Like defensively, at shortstop, he can also play first base play some second he probably you can put him i bet you can put him in the outfield third base i don't think it matters i think he's just that that athlete that baseball player that can just play wherever and be fine there but really looks good at short when they had to put him there when they had to move touch when tatis was hurt then then when they're had him out in the outfield and overall stat line was you know 266 340 460 21 home runs four steals in 152 games so not like standout stats but I think this is a 20 to 25 homer guy adding a handful of steals, solid enough batting average and OBP and, you know, counting test will be pretty solid, both RBI and runs in that uh, really good San Diego lineup. So I think Cronenworth is just a good buy in general, just because how underrated he is for dynasty leagues. Yeah, I agree. I think that he doesn't get the respect he deserves. 
And then the fact that he's multi-position eligible can play you know, all over the board. That that benefits him a ton. So he's just he's a guy that just gets the job done. It's going to produce and and not really get the love ever. Yep, one hundred percent agree there. And I'll switch over to a guy that does get the love and has a lot of more hype around him. Just you know, geared off what his tools are and the, especially the power speed blend that he possesses. That is Jazz Chisholm of the Miami Marlins. You know, got a quick cup of coffee in twenty twenty. Didn't perform well at all. Did have two home runs and two steals in 21 games, but in 124 games this past year, 18 homers, 23 steals, 248, 303, 425 slash, which really kind of ticked down as, as the season went on. He started off really hot. I even saw him inside some top 25 dynasty list. It was He was that good. Uh, I wasn't quite there. I think he might have peaked around 50 for me during that time frame. I was a little bit more hesitant it's like of the hit tool and the approach issues that I saw in the minor leagues, especially that K rate, you know, he has a tendency to swing outside the uh, chase outside the zone a little bit too much. And that showed in, in his rookie year, he had a 28.6% K rate only walked 34 times for a 6.7% rate. So that has to be cleaned up, but obviously the power speed is very enticing. Could be an annual 20 plus 20 plus type of guys. But do you think there is that next level for him? Like, do you think he could get, up into that top 25 range moving forward at all, Chris? No, I don't. I think that he's becoming the most polarizing player in the fantasy realm because I have seen people that do think he can do that. I don't think so. And I also saw today a very respected analyst who's a phenomenal fantasy player said that he was uh, this year's Keston Hero, which I thought was very interesting. Whoa. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So I thought that was very interesting to hear. I'm... yeah, the the strikeout rates highly concerning. The swing and miss, the contact rates, they're they're not good. But you even mentioned down the stretch, like where he he sucked, his contact rates actually got better. I mean, from August on, he had a seventy four point three percent contact rate. Uh, his O contact was not great, but his zone contact was eighty one point one percent, which is fine. That's super passable. He just swings out of the zone a little bit too much, which is correctable. And so the swinging strike percent was a little above league average, but I think you can get away with that. So I, I think I'm kind of fading Jazz for for 2022. There's a lot of hype. I do think that there's a 2020 consistent threat, but I wonder where the batting average ends up. I don't really know. I mean, the walk rates are concerning. The play discipline's not not the best. So th- there's question marks, but I do think there's an enticing power speed combo that can really take him a long way. I tend to agree with that. I'm I've really struggled on how I kind of envision his career kind of unfolding. I do think I think this will be like he's gonna be averaging over twenty and twenty a year. Like there'll be some years he dips down below it, but I think more often than not you'll see him in that twenty twenty range or better. I can see some twenty five twenty five seasons. I don't think thirty thirty, but I think you could see some seasons where he gets over twenty five homers or twenty five steals or both. Uh, I wouldn't put that out of the wrong possibility, but yeah, the average is not going to be great. I think mm, 240 to 250, I think is a, the sweet spot for him moving forward, you know, not a, you know, a lower OBP as well. Uh, so that definitely hurts his, his overall value a bit. I just can't put anybody up that high that I think is going to hit 240, 250. I just can't be that much of a, um, maybe that's not a liability, but it's not helping you. It's more on the side of hurting you than helping you, obviously, but just can't put anybody that highly that has that many, that concerns around the the approach, the strikeout issue, the overall batting average and OBP. So, yeah, I, I think he could get top 50 and kind of settle in that range. But, yeah, I don't see top 25 
uh, moving forward. Uh, another guy in this range that's pretty intriguing that finally broke out to many people, you know, kind of were predicting this breakout once he got traded from Tampa Bay to the Milwaukee Brewers. And that is Willie Adames, of course. Really, you know, his ro- home road splits when he was in Tampa Bay, you look at the road numbers, that's almost exactly what he did in t- Milwaukee in 99 games. He hit uh, 285, 366, 521, 26 doubles, 20 ho- uh, home runs, 58 RBI, and 61 runs scored. It was really on like a, you know, 35, 110, 110 type of pace, which I don't know if that is sustainable, but uh, I'm I'm pretty much buying in for the most part what he did there. I think he can be a you know a 280, 25 home run type with you know a decent amount of you know 80 to 90 runs in RBIs. Are you buying into what we saw from Willie Adames in the second half of the season with, with Milwaukee? Yeah, because you're right. Nothing changed with him. It's exactly who he was. I think he was highly affected by the ballpark in Tampa Bay, and now in a more hitter friendly park. I mean, he really benefited. You mentioned the stats there; they were very, very good. I think there's a 30 home run threat that chips in five stolen bases and going to give you a solid average in OBP. So I think that Adamas is a, a great buy right now. I don't think the really hype is caught up with him yet. And it's important to remember, he just turned 26th in the last season. So, you know, his prime could still be ahead of him. We might not have seen his best. So that to me tells me that I think that he's a great buy right now. Like, I, I would probably I have them one spot apart, but Adamas over Swanson's pretty easy for me at this point. Like Adamas could soar. Like I'm not sure how high up Dansby can go unless he gets the average up, but I really think Adamas could be I don't know if he can push top fifty overall, but he, he might. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I think he can get close, at least top seventy five. I have him right around a hundred right now. And I think if he keeps hitting like he did in, in Milwaukee in 2022, I think he's going to definitely vault up even higher for me. I said maybe not top 50 for me because that's like putting him near Semyon Lindor, but I think you definitely get into like the Carlos Correa range for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely buying into Willie Adames. Uh, moving on here to 21 through 30. Speaking of Dansby Swanson, I have him at 21, followed by Marco Luciano, Jorge Polanco, O'Neill Cruz, Gavin Lux at 25, and then 26 to 30, Nick Gonzalez, Gleyber Torres, Luis Urias. Marcelo Mayer and Brendan Rogers. Chris, who you got 21 through 30? All right. 21, Alberto Montesi, uh, Jorge Polanco, 22, O'Neill Cruz, Brendan Rogers, and Glaber Torres rounding out 25. And then 26 through 30 is Marco Luciano, Gavin Lux, Chris Taylor, Nick Gonzalez, and Marcelo Meyer at 30. Gavin Lux, baby. I think maybe the, do you think he's maybe the most talked about player? in Fantrax toolshed history maybe we, we hit on him a lot <laughs> he's at least top five like yeah. i guarantee he's top five like times mentioned at least if it's just a passing mention of his name he's at least top five yeah. but for good reason <laughs> talented little, little polarizing now he obviously hasn't had the greatest success but um maybe this is the year we yeah. said that the last couple of years but <laughs> maybe this is the year that gavin lux finally gets that chance and breaks out and does what we all thought he could do a couple of years ago after that great uh, season in 2019 in the minor leagues. So I think we're still pulling for Gavin Lux, but there's a lot of intriguing guys in this range. We got you know some more prospects, Luciano, we got O'Neill Cruz, we'll talk about here in a little bit. And Kleber Torres is always interesting, of course. Um, Jorge Polanco is another intriguing name too, because he is just like always underrated, I think, and that 
is kind of continuing here in dynasty drafts and in 2022 redrafts as well. Uh, right, if you were, you know, looking to, would you look to buy for Blanca right now just because of how unrated he is? Nah, I'd much rather buy Adamas. Like it's not not particularly close. I think we saw this peak season. I don't think he's going to get close to it again. So he's a sell for me. So he's a sell for you. Okay. Yep. I can see that. I, I don't know. He's, I don't know if I'd say he's a sell, maybe not a buy either. I mean, that's not a great way to word it, but uh, he's just so underrated where I'm, I'm seeing him still go pretty late and later than I think he should in, in drafts. So yeah, he's definitely an, an intriguing one. The productions was pretty solid. Yeah. I don't think he's going to repeat 2021, but uh, definitely an intriguing name for sure. Let's uh, let's guess the ADP. All right, guess the ADP on Polanco and Adamas for for a redraft or for in the dynasty for the dynasty for the dynasty. Who? Uh, let's see here. I'll say Adames is one ten and Polanco one thirty. I'm probably way off. Okay, Polanco one oh four. He had oh. a min of seventy nine and a max of one twenty six. Meanwhile, Adamus went 125, uh, a min of 91, a max of 157. Give me that all day. Oh yeah, long. absolutely. So I I got the kind of the differential, and yeah. the, they're about 20 picks apart, but I got it the wrong yeah. way. Uh, yeah, so, I would have it the other way too. So if I, if yeah, I definitely. Overalls, I have what? What do I have? Adamus 19 here, and Polanco 23 overall. Yeah, then Swanson the 21. Yeah, I definitely get what you said about Swanson versus Adamus as well. Um, and the Glaber Torres, I don't know. Are you in at all on Glaber Torres anymore? Like he showed a little bit of, you know, little jolt down the stretch last year, but I don't know. I, I think he still is going to be valued higher than I think than I think he should be. Yeah, he's going to be higher value than he should be because Steamer's projection on him is just stupid. What like, is it? Uh, all right, uh, twenty three homers, fourteen stolen bases, eighty one, eighty three runs in RBI, and a two sixty nine average. There ain't no way he he. All right, he didn't steal fourteen bases in his first three seasons combined. I know he did it last year, but why are we projecting him to steal fourteen bases? There's no way, no chance. That I don't is, see that at all. Does does Aaron Boone work for for Fangraphs <laughs> now? Or I'm I'm not sure where they're getting twenty three and fourteen. Uh, maybe fifteen and and eight. <laughs> yeah, I I would be generous and say twenty and eight. Yeah. But that's that's being generous. And he like the average. I don't I don't know. Like, is he going to hit two seventy? I don't think so. Is he playing Baltimore every game? That's when he been. Look at <laughs> all right. If if you take just games in Camden Yards out of his career numbers, he's gonna like he all right. He has seventy four career homers. I'm gonna find it, but I bet that he has 28 of those in Camden yards. That's pretty. Yeah. That one year where he had like what? 17 or 18. 17 or 18. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I'd say, yeah, 25 to 30 range. I think that's All definitely. Right. I'm pulling. Cause I know on baseball reference, you can look at by park. So uh, they've got a million splits, which is, is really cool to see, but all right. All right. Opponent. All right. Against Baltimore. No way. It says, all right, so this says against Baltimore, he only has 16 homers. I swore he had more than that in that one season. I thought he did. And maybe this is, this might be for just, I wonder if this is just 2021. Did he Did he just fall off entirely? He didn't Baltimore? hit, no, he, he didn't hit 16 home runs in 2021, so it is career. He must have only played a good against him that one season. Um, but his career average against them is 352. All yeah. right, so at, at Camden, which uh, where is it? All right, at Camden Yards, he's a three thirty three hitter, um, and that's in 
104 career plate appearances, and he has eight home runs at Camden, which yep. at no other stadium does he have more than four, minus Yankee Stadium, where he has 40, which obviously he's played 227 games in, in Yankee Stadium. So, yeah, I think he's a, he's, I wouldn't say mediocre, but I think he's a slightly below average offensive player that has been, has seen his value increase higher than it should because of that one really good year. The fact that he is plays for the New York Yankees and the offensive friendly environment of the, basically the entire American league East, including his home ballpark, that definitely helped boost him a little bit as well. So you, you put him out in Kansas city or Pittsburgh or like the angels or something like that. I, I think is he'd probably be a hundred spots lower in dynasty rankings. I really do. Um, but yes, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm out in Gleyber. I'll let somebody else take on Gleyber in Dynasty Leagues. I am not going to pay the price. Uh, let's wrap things up here, running at our top 50. So let's go 31 through 50 here. Chris, who you got? All right, we'll go quick. Luis Urias, Khalil Watson, Nick York, uh, Brian Rocio, Bryson Stott, Brady House. A lot of bees in there. Ahmed Rosario, Oswald Peraza, Austin Martin, and Jordan Lawler wrapping up the 40 spot. And then 41 through 50, Jose Barrero, Christian Hernandez, or Elvis Martinez, Eugenio Suarez, Jordan Groshans, Gio Urshela, Reginald Preciado, Josh Rojas, Royce Lewis, and 50 is Gunnar Henderson. A lot of good names there. For me, I got Jordan Lawler at 31. And then 32 through 40, I got Austin Martin, Khalil Watson, Ahmed Rosario, Rovis Martinez, Eugenio Suarez, which I still find it hilarious. He's even shorts up eligible right now. Chris Taylor, Oswald Peraza, Brady House, Bryson Stott. Yeah, now I'm getting into the Bs. Uh, Brayon Rocio at 41. And then rounding out my top 50, Royce Lewis, Brendan Crawford, Christian Hernandez, Reginald Preciado, Pedro Leon, Jeter Downs, Jordan Groshans, Trace Sweeney, and Chris's favorite prospect of all time, mm-hmm. Mr. Ronnie Mauricio here. A lot of prospects. We'll get into them after the break. Uh, but before we hit the break here, let's each give a breakout at the major league level here for 2022. Chris, who is that guy for you? All right. I'm going actually with a player that I haven't been the highest on, but I've come around on uh, with Jose Barrero. Uh, I'm not sure if he starts the season with the big league club, but the Reds are completely tearing down. He should be the everyday shortstop, in my opinion. And I think he's going to perform. I really believe that he can get the job done. Last year, we saw his power outbreak. I mean, between double A AA and triple A. In double A, he hit 300, six home runs, stole eight bags. Then he bumped to triple A with 200 plate appearances there, hit 306, 13 bombs, and eight stolen bases as well. So the hit tool has always been very, very good. It probably underrated, honestly, and it came around even more this year. And then the power also developed, which is kind of what we were waiting on. And we knew that he's a speed guy. He's great in the field as well. Had a little injury last year towards the end of the year, but it didn't stop him from having at least a debut. It wasn't the best debut, but I expect him to really just be a dominant force next year and be highly underrated. The power is going to really play up in Great American Ballpark as well. So I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what he can do. And if he gets the playing time, I really see Pereira breaking out. Yeah, he definitely should get that playing time, too. They still don't have an answer at short. Like, obviously, Eugenio Suarez was not the answer, which I we all knew that <laughs> that wasn't going to work out. Right. Uh, and yeah, I think their current, like, projected starter on paper is Kyle Farmer, who had you know, a decent little year. I'll give him that. But obviously not a 
long-term starter option there. I think it's just a stopgap until they deem Barrera ready, which probably should, could be pretty early in the years. Maybe you know, there's a little stash and you know, draft and hold leagues or best balls. I think he could be up fairly early, and I, and I agree with a lot of what Chris said there. For me, I, c- I couldn't find a great pick, so I went with the low-hanging fruit, the easy pick, which I was trying to avoid, but I'll go O'Neal Cruz. Got a quick cup of coffee at the end of the year with two games in Pittsburgh, had a home run uh, in, in nine plate appearances after five home runs in six games at AAA. Overall, between AA and AAA, 68 games, 302 plate appearances, slash 310, 375, 594, with 16 doubles, five triples, 17 home runs, and 19 steals. He's only caught three times. He is just one of the most intriguing prospects in baseball. Any more intriguing players in baseball, like hands down. Obviously, you look at him. He's six seven, which he might even be taller than that. I don't. know. He keeps growing every two years. Like <laughs> just like, all right, he's six three. Okay, he's six five. Okay, he's six seven. I'm, I was just waiting. Like he's gonna be like seven one one of these days or something like that. But really tall. Obviously, that comes with you know, longer levers. Can lead to some strikeout issues, especially you know when you get to the major leagues with the most the best pitchers in the world. They will exploit that. But at the same time, strikeouts haven't been a big issue for him in the minor leagues. Uh, in 404 games in Pittsburgh's org, 24.9% K rate, which is no, not great. Maybe slightly below average or slightly higher than the average mark, usually around 22, 23%, but not bad, but something that we'll have to keep an eye on at uh, the major level. Is, like I said, he's going to be facing the best pitchers in the world, so they'll probably exploit that. But the, the raw power that Cruz generates is off the charts like this could be an annual 30 to 35 homer bat at shortstop like one of those guys that could just really really just be a one of the best power bats in the league really like he's got that much raw power and one might think that the stolen base numbers will decline over time because of his size but i don't think it will too much yeah i don't expect him to be like a 20 to 25 steel guy but i think he could settle in as a 10 to 15 steel guy at least for the first you know part of his career first five six seven years in his mid-20s uh he's 22 right now so i think you can count on at least double digit steals into his mid to late 20s at least um then obviously as he gets to his 30s who knows but that's so far out hard to project but 30 homer 10 to 15 steel guy i think he's a better contact hitter uh better hit tool than jazz chisholm who we just talked about so i think he could be you know 260 265 in that range with I said the good power speed blend. And, you know, I think the Pittsburgh lineup in time could be pretty good. Obviously, you got Brian Reynolds, who's very underrated, a uh, very good hitter. Brian Hayes, I think, could take a step forward this year. You added O'Neill Cruz to the mix. I think this could be a, a better lineup moving forward see when they get some of the other guys in the, in the lower levels up as well. So, and they'll probably see Cruz hitting right in the middle of that. So, I think this could be a big year for Cruz. So, draft him late, get him in Dynasty Leagues because this guy is the real deal. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side and get into prospects. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Fantrax Toolshed right after this. When you're craving Church's three-piece classic, there's no other option. Two crispy legs, a thigh, and a warm honey butter biscuit are the only way. And that's why we call it a classic. Church's Texas Chicken. Tap the banner to find your nearest location. Offer valid at participating locations. All right, welcome back from the break. Let's get into our top Dynasty shortstop prospect rankings here. 
We'll start with one through ten. Chris, who you got? All right, number one, uh, Bobby Witt Jr. Number two, C.J. Abrams, Noelvi Marte, Anthony Volpe, and Marco Luciano in the fifth spot, followed by Marcelo Meyer, O'Neill Cruz, Khalil Watson, Brian Rocio, and Brady House in the tenth spot. Who you got? So again, we're we have nine of the same guys here. I got House eleven, and then I got one other guy jumping in here at eight. Uh, so one through 10 for me, Bobby Witt Jr., Noelvi Marte, C.J. Abrams, Anthony Volpe, Marco Luciano, and six through 10, Marcelo Mayer, O'Neill Cruz, Jordan Lawler is my guy that I have up in there, Khalil Watson, and Brian Rocio at 10. All right, let's start with Bobby Witt Jr., of course. He is the number one guy for me overall, number two overall for Chris behind Julio Rodriguez, but definitely the top tier of fantasy prospects, those two. He's going to be up very early this year, maybe even on opening day. We'll see how that pans out uh, with Kansas City. But this is a guy that legit could go 2020 this year. And you see, like, his ADP kind of reflects that. He's take, being taken inside the top 100 overall. So if you want him this year, you have to pay out for him. And the same thing goes for Dynasty Leagues because there is a lot of excitement around him right now. Coming off a 33 homer, 29 steal season where he hit 290 uh, across two levels, ending at AAA for the last couple months of the season. So, what are your expectations for Wit both initially this year and long term as he gets like further on into his career? Um, I'm not gonna sit here and say I think he's gonna take off in year one. I think it's a hard transition. It's not not easy to come from hit professional pitching. I think we saw the AAA environment last year was extremely easy to hit. And he dominated. I mean, he dominated both levels last year, and he dominated in spring training. I think he's ready for the task, but I'm I'm fearing that we you know, or maybe a little high on the power that we're expecting from him right off the bat. I think a lot of people are expecting him to just be a 25-25 guy right off the bat. And, you know, I'm not that high yet. Um, minor league, obviously, is easy, a little easier to steal. And so I, I don't know how much I expect him to run, despite the fact that the Royals do love to run. Where does he hit in the lineup? That's I think that's the biggest question when it comes to his stolen base potential. I assume that Whit Merrifield leads off. I think that's pretty easy to assumption there. but. You know, if Witt is not in the two hole, if he's down in the six or seven hole, how much does he actually run? How much, how many plate appearances does he get? There's a lot of questions just for 2022 specifically, but I do think long term, I think we we did this in one of the episodes where we put out our his projected or we, what we thought his projected numbers would be. Um, I see him as probably a 25 15 guy long term that maybe has some seasons where he pushes a little more power and then it maybe hits like you know, 275, 280. I think. You know, any, I don't know. I, I think the upside is definitely there, but I don't want to go too high on it. I don't want to set the, set the bar way too high for what I think about Wit. Even though I like him, obviously, we've got him number one in the prospect ranking. So I am going to go all in. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to temper it just a little bit. Obviously, it's a prospect, and even the best prospects have struggled a bit at the major league level in their debuts. Obviously, that's just a part of baseball. It's the hardest game in the world, in my opinion, for a reason, especially for young players. So I will temper expectations at least for 2022, but I still think he could go, you know, push like 2015 in 2022, maybe a slightly lower average, but still be a pretty solid investment. Maybe not quite top 100, but still very good. But long-term, I think I'll go back to a guy we talked about earlier uh, in Francisco Lindor. You see some of the numbers that Lindor put up earlier in his career. And I think we could see that type of production with Bobby Wood Jr. Like I am that in on him. Like, Everything I've heard and read about him, his off-the-charts makeup and skill set, 
you know, like baseball America put a 60 hit 70 power, 70 speed uh, grades on his offensive tools there. That is ridiculous. I think you could see a 30 plus Homer 20 plus seal guy, at least into his late twenties with a, you know, 280 ish average. I think he's going to be that good. I think he's going to be an, a first round fantasy type of player down the road. So yeah, I am definitely all in. I, I hate to do it, but it's everything I've seen with Witt Jr. It makes me even that much more excited about him, even after looking at the tools and his production in 2021. Yeah, it's just hard for me not to go all in on him. And I think I think the skills are going to be there. I think he's going to be an elite fantasy player uh, long-term. And another one here that I think is also going to be an elite fantasy guy. And, I, and I, when I was looking, I was typing up my shortstop uh, prospect rankings article over the weekend, and I wrote up my blurb on Anthony Volp. And after I finished my blurb, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, why do I only have Anthony Volp 10th overall in my top 400? I feel like what I kind of wrote about him, I'm like, I got to bump him up a few spots. It's hard to do because that means you might have to go over guys like Robert Hassel and Anthony uh, uh, Adley Rutschman and Torkelson and guys like that. It's a loaded top 10, but everything you could want from a top prospect is there. Like hit plus hit tool, plus power, plus speed. The approach is phenomenal. He was only 19 this past year. He said I'd be playing in Yankee Stadium in a good Yankees lineup. Like, there's if there's something there not to like. I mean, obviously he's not perfect, but if there's like a glaring red flag in his profile for you know long term for dynasty purposes, I don't see it. Like, this could be a 25, 25 guy, high average, high OBP. Like, I'm all in on Volp. Where, where are you at on Volp, Chris? Yeah, I think that I think he could be the next number one prospect. I think we're gonna see a lot of guys in front of him graduate. I think. For me, it's either like him or Corbin Carroll probably that takes that next spot. Yeah. Very intriguing blend of power speed. Continues to hit for average, even you know, even with the promotion to high A, continued to hit and hit really well with that. So his contact rate went down a little bit in high A, but still, I mean, still at 285 despite that. And right. he had a 391 OBP. So it's hard to prick any holes really in his game. The power speed element's really, really good. So yeah, from that, uh, I do think that he has the potential just to make a, a even bigger jump next year and be a, a maybe the top overall prospect when we see some guys graduating. Yeah, I think it's going to be either him, Corbin Carroll, uh, Novi Marte, C.J. Abrams, or Robert Hassel. I think those are the five right now that are kind of the leaders in the clubhouse for me. But yeah, and then somebody mentioned that you know like how like he's not far, far off from Wander Franco, and I was like he might even be a better fantasy player than Wander Franco. I could see that. Which is crazy to say, but if Volpe kind of gets to the level that he, he has the potential to get to, he could be a better fantasy asset. Yeah, Wando will still have the average and the in, uh, advantage there, but I think power and speed could both go, or at least similar power and then more speed. So I think it could be very close long term. Like, that's crazy to think about, but that's how good Anthony Volpe is. Yeah, I agree. I think that the talent level is definitely there, and I'm I'm with you. I think the the power speed blend could make him a better fantasy asset than Wander. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, there's so much good talent. There. Like this, this position is all, always super sexy from a prospect perspective, but like C.J. Abrams could be, like if, if the power comes for Abrams, like he could be, like remember what Carl Crawford used to be? Like that could be C.J. Abrams, yeah. like hitting around 300, 15 to 20 home runs, 30 plus deals. Like he could be a fantasy monster as well with Robert Hassel. Uh, that duo could be the next kind of wave for San Diego, adding into what they already have there, which is really exciting if you're a San Diego fan or just a baseball fan in general is watching that team. We got some of the first-year player draft guys in here. 
in the top 10. I have Lawler, Watson, and Mayer in my top 10. House is my 11. And then you have House in there and, and not Lawler. Um, so, yeah, really exciting. And all these guys are like top 35-ish overall for me. Moving on to our 11 through 20. For me, that's Brady House, Oswald Peraza, Aravis Martinez, Austin Martin, Christian Hernandez, Reginald Preciado, the underrated Bryson Stott, Pedro Leone, Royce Lewis, and Greg Jones. Who do you got, Chris? All right, so we'll go 11, Austin Martin, and then Bryson Stott, Oswald Peraza, Jordan Lawler, Christian Hernandez, Elvis Martinez, Reginald Preciado, Royce Lewis, Jordan Groshans, and Gunnar Henderson. Funny, Gunnar Henderson was the last, the 50th in Dynasty and rounds out the 20th here for prospects. Yeah, Henderson's uh, close for me. He's in, he's in the first couple of the next set of 10 here. A lot of intriguing names in this range. You know, we have Austin Martin, who's kind of underperformed. You had him what, 11th overall. I did. I, I had him 14th. Obviously, you know, a little bit of the OBP boost, which definitely makes him a couple of spots higher on your rankings here. Peraza, great season for the Yankees. We get the exciting Cubs duo here, uh, Christian Hernandez and Reginald Preciado. We talked about Bryson Stott a few episodes ago. What episode was that when we talked about Bryson? Oh, our, our Dynasty Risers and Followers. That's right. You know, go get Bryson Stott. Just go get him. The, the guy's going to be really good and probably hitting in front of Bryce Harper. Um, for me, a couple really intriguing guys I want to talk about. Let's start with Royce Lewis, uh, who I had 19th, and you had him right around there, didn't you? Yes, I had him. Like 18th or something? 18. Yep. Okay. So we, we both still have him top 20. And I think that he's in the thanks 70 ish range overall. And obviously right now I think is a great time to go get Royce Lewis. Cause the, that terrible 2019 season he had, I think is still fresh in the minds of a lot of dynasty players right now where he hits uh, only 236, 293, 71 in 127 games, but did have 12 home runs and 22 steals. And then was the, MVP of the 2019 Arizona Fall League, where he hit 353, 411, 565 with three home runs and five steals in 22 games. You know, the tools are still there, maybe not quite to the same level as when he came out of in the draft, but I think there's still a you know 15 homer, 20 plus steal profile here with a solid average and solid OBP as well. Maybe he's not a superstar in the making or anything like that, but I think there's a nice buy opportunity right now in Dynasty Leagues. Yeah, I agree. I think I haven't really wavered on his ranking. I, I'm kind of sticking by it. I think overall, let's see. He's still, you know, borderline top 50 prospect for me. That's not true. It's a little lower, but um, I still love the potential here. And I think that, you know, you should go get him because he's not going to cost you much at all. And he's should virtually be big league ready. I think his stock's probably the lowest it's ever going to be. I would 100% agree with that. So let's do a uh, we'll talk about more breakouts later in the show, but let's pick one from this range in this section of our rankings, Chris. I'm going to see if we say the same guy. So on the count of three, I think we're going to say the same guy on the count of three. Let's both say the guy that we think in this range has the highest chance of being top 20 a year from now. Top 20 overall. Yes. Okay. All right, ready? All right. One. We're not going to say the same guy. I don't think. No. All no, right. I don't what, think. He'll see. All right. Ready? One. Yep. Two, three. Christian Hernandez. Okay, no, I thought you were going to say Christian Hernandez. Okay. I love Hernandez too. I, I, I love. I think both probably have that chance. Um, Peraza, right. I think, still underrated. And he's, why, yeah, why, why Peraza for you? Yeah, yeah. Peraza is a little closer um, to 
being ready. I think he's probably ready in 2023. Uh, I, I honestly do think that Hernandez makes the jump, but I think we're still completely underrating how good Peraza really was. And, you know, we saw him last year go from high A all the way to triple A, dominated every single level, didn't look phased at all. He's, you know, developed the power. I think the power is, you know, maybe above average now. We, we saw that really come around. And then, obviously, plus speed as well. He stole a ton of bases last year. Stole 38 bases. Highly impressive. Continued to hit for average at every level. Didn't seem phased. I think that he's going to really vault up rankings. I think he's easily top 25. And by, by June next year, he's top 25, I'm saying. I think there's a high likelihood that happens. I won't definitely agree there. He would have been my next pick for sure. And you know whose fault it is that Peraza is going a little underrated right now? Anthony Volpe. I think if Anthony yep. Volpe didn't do what he did, we'd be talking about Oswald Peraza a lot more because he had a phenomenal season, as Chris mentioned. Yeah, for me, yeah, Christian Hernandez. This guy is so tools, you know, super toolsy, great frame, 6'2, 180 right now. Definitely has a lot more projection to go. He could be like 6'4, 210, 220. He could be a really strong guy. He's already shown plus raw power already so this could be a guy that gets up near double plus raw power when it's all said and done good runner as well still 21 bags obviously you take that with a grain of salt it was in the dominican summer league i could probably steal 20 bags in the dominican summer league but solid speed there as well i think he could be a at least 55 hit maybe even a plus hitter plus or better power even average speed at least maybe even still above average uh, when he finishes developing. So this could be an all-around offensive monster. He already showed a great walk rate. Uh, didn't strike out too much. Hit 285, 398 OBP in 47 games in the Mickens Summer League. So he's going to be in a good home ballpark as well at Rookie Field. So I really think that Hernandez is going to be an absolute stud, already showing kind of studly prospect tools and stats so far. So I think he could be you – know, he's already pushing top 50 for me overall. I think he could take that next jump once he gets his first full season under his belt and really he, like, he could be top 10. Like I think the sky's the limit for this guy, especially if the hit tool is as good as we think it can be and that power speed blend. So definitely could even be top 10 by the end of 2022. Let's move on into the next set of our rankings here. Chris, who you got 21 through 30. All right. Leo Verpuguero, who I think is highly underrated, by the way, he never gets talked about 21. Uh, Mark Vientos, 22, Pedro Leon, Tyler Freeman, Eddie's Leonard, 25, and then 26 through 30, I have Trey Sweeney, Ronnie Mauricio, Jeter Downs, Jose Tana, and Matt McClain rounding out the 30 spot. A lot of good names in there as well. Like I said, the shortstop is so deep. Like, we're not even going to get through our entire, you know, all the guys in our top 400 here, but we can't, we can't have a six hour show. We easily could on this position, but yeah, definitely can't do that. Don't want to take up too much of your time here whenever you're listening. For me, I got Trey Sweeney, 21, Gunnar Henderson, 22, 23 to 25, Wilman Diaz, Tyler Freeman, and Carlos Colmenares, 26 to 30, Jordan Groshans, Ellie De La Cruz, Jeter Downs, Eddie's Leonard, Matt McLean. Did you have Matt McLean at 30 also? I did. Huh, that's kind of funny. We keep ending up on the same player at the end of our top, each 10 here. Yeah. Very interesting bunch here. Some guys that got trended down this past year, like Wilman Diaz and Carlos Colmenares didn't quite have the years we thought while Christian Hernandez really flourished. So they kind of dropped down a bit. I've dropped Tyler Freeman a lot. Love the hit tool. I think he could be a 300 type of hitter with decent speed, but 
where's the power at? Like he could be pretty similar to like a Nick Madrigal long term, which is still playable in fantasy, but I don't this I want to see more power from him and he hasn't really shown that after the rumblings that he added power at the alt site in 2020. We just didn't yeah. really see that in 2021. I love LED La Cruz. He's my biggest breakout pick here. As I mentioned, I don't know when we talked about him recently, but uh, I forget what episode, but big power speed blend, but a lot of rawness at the plate. He needs to really improve as an overall hitter, but could be a guy that he could be a guy that's top 25 overall if that hit to an approach kind of takes a step forward. Jeter Downs, another guy that had a down here. We've talked about him ad nauseum here. A lot, a lot of good names here. Who are a couple of names that stand out for you in this part of your rankings, Chris? There's a, there's definitely a good many. Um, like I said, Leo Paquero just continues to perform. Doesn't get talked about. I love Trey Sweeney, Eddie's Leonard, Jose Tena. I was a big fan of him. We saw him in the fall league. And I think Matt McClain's another highly underrated player. So those are some guys that I really like. They could make jumps. Absolutely. Uh, let's keep moving along here to go 31 through 50. To round things out, for me, that is Ronnie Mauricio at 31, James Triantos at 32, rest of the top 40, Leo Proguero, Luis Angel Acuna, Jordan Westberg, Ezekiel Tovar, Jose Salas, Victor Acosta, Josh Smith, and Geraldo Perdomo. And then 41 through 50, Mark Vientos, Oswaldo Cabrera, Ezekiel Duran, Adele Amador, Jose Tena, Von Grissom, Aral Vera, Mason Wynn, I said, I should take him out. I think he's more of a pitcher moving forward, but I'll, I'll take him out and then go Jeremy Pena, Maximo Acosta, and Averson Ortega. Chris, who rounds out your top 50? All right. Richie Palacios at 31, followed by Jose Salas, Jordan Westberg, Greg Jones, Wilmon Diaz, Mason Wynn, who we also said went to take out, but Averson Ortega, Carlos Colmenares, Victor Acosta, Ellie De La Cruz rounding out 40, and then 41 through 50 have Angel Martinez, Kyron Perez, Vaughn Grissom. Manuel Beltre, Nick Lofton, Josh Smith, Luis Angel Acuna. Acuna, that was a terrible pronunciation. Jeremy Pena, Gabriel Arias, and Ezekiel Duran. So to put it in perspective, we're both 50 deep right now in our prospect rankings. For me, so Averson Ortega is my 50. And overall, in my rankings, he is 204. That's how deep this is. Where's uh, your 50th guy? Where's he in your overall? Uh, let me pull it up right quick. I think that is borderline uh, top 200. It may be top 200. Let me, let me check. While you're doing that, I realize I forgot Palacios. I have him at second base outfield on my, on my list, but he would definitely be in there uh, for me as well. I think he'd be right up, uh, right around Jose Salas, Victor Acosta. So right around like 38, 39 or so for me. Nice. All right. So, yes, my 50th ranked shortstop is Ezekiel Duran, which I have at 177. There you go. Like, we have so many. Like I said, I have 101 in my top 400. We won't get through all those guys, of course. But before we get you all out of here, let's do a couple more breakout picks. I think we can agree on one. We've talked about this guy before. I think James Triantos, I think, is one we can both agree on that is a breakout in this range. Huge, huge tools. Like, uh, we had Jeff Ponce on our pros- industry prospect uh, mock draft and re- recap, and he was kind of talking about potential for a 70 hit, uh, 70 grade on the hit tool there with Triantos with the power and, and decent speed as well. So Triantos is a huge, huge riser uh, for me moving forward. What's each? I know we've been doing one, 
for our breakouts and the you know kind of this range of our rankings. But let's go two here because there's so many good names. I'll let you go first here, Chris. Who's a breakout for you in this range? All right, I'm gonna go with probably someone that is not very talked about in in Von Grissom in Atlanta's system this year. He really developed some more power that we've kind of been waiting on. He's he's a projectable frame at six three one eighty. So I think more power is even coming. Only hit seven home runs this year over 380 plate appearances, but between two levels, um, high and low A, he hit 319 out of 418 OBP and a 464 slug. So that's pretty solid performance there. Steals bases, still 16 bags, only caught three times, so pretty efficient on the bags, and walked almost as much as he struck out. So I think Grissom kind of flies under the radar in a, you know, when we look at the amount of shortstops that are so talented, but I think Grissom could easily be a top 100 prospect or higher next year. That is a great pick there. I do love me some Vaughn Grissom. Uh, my first pick here, I'm going to go, he's a little lower in my ranking. didn't make my top 50 here, but uh, not too far off. And that's from the Tigers, Christian Santana, recent international signee for them in 2020. Got his debut this past year in the Dominican Summer League and hit 269 with nine home runs, 12 steals in 54 games. At a 421 OBP, 520 slugging, you know, really, you know, he kind of flies under the radar a little bit because of all the other great young international guys over the last couple of years. But he really has a chance to fly up rankings over the next year or two uh, as he gets further and further into, you know, full season ball next year or the year after. Good feel for hitting here. I think he could be an above average hit tool guy. I think there could be plus power here as well. At least average, but like he he really showed off his power in the Dominican Summer League. He had nine home runs. Uh, Love the swings, quick, nice loft, nice bat path through the zone that creates natural loft. Can really hammer the ball to all fields. So I think he could be like a twenty-five to thirty homer bat over time with a solid average as well, and a little bit of speed mixed into it. He don't think he'll be a major runner or source of speed moving forward, but maybe a guy that gets gets you close to ten every year. It'll at least be a part of his game and. There's really not much in the way of him moving forward, even at you know, even if he has to move to third base, which I think could be a possibility. Shortstop and third base is kind of wide open uh, right now. Like Isak Paredes isn't the answer for them. Willie Castro is not a long-term guy, I don't think. So I uh, know their top guys like Torx would be, I think, first base long-term. Obviously, Riley Green's an outfielder. So don't think there's a lot blocking him. So he could be their starter long-term or either shortstop or third base, wherever they decide to put him. But yeah, love the offensive skill set there. So I would go Christian Santana for my first. Who's the other one for you, Chris? I'm going with Adele Amador with the Rockies. Uh, he had a fantastic showing at the complex this year where he hit four home runs, stole 10 bags. He actually was caught seven times, which is kind of interesting, but his speed is plus. I think he just needs to learn to be a more efficient runner, but he did post a 299 average and a 394 OBP. He's a pretty intriguing skill set here, power and speed. I think there, there's more power coming when you look. I mean, he, he is only 160 pounds right now, so you could suggest that there's more weight and strength coming in the frame. He's six foot. I could see him adding a little more power and being an intriguing prospect that does make a jump up. Love that pick. I, my other guy, there's so many guys I can go with here. I'll go with Arol Vera from the Los Angeles Angels. So it makes me think of aloe vera every time i see his name yes <laughs> right right i'm not, okay i'm yes. not alone in that okay perfect thank you for backing me up on that chris uh really he had a solid uh first season here in 2021 started off in 
uh, out in Arizona and then moved up to the uh, low A league uh, Inland Empire. Inland Empire, love that name. Uh, played pretty well at both levels at 317 in Arizona, 280 in low A. Did have a home run in 57 games combined, but overall slash 304, 374, 11 steals in 254 player appearance. Did have 16 doubles as well. I think, you know, he's a guy that because of the no home runs, he's a guy that I think can still be had for a very reasonable price. I think his price second dynasty is still pretty low right now, which is a great time to buy because I think the arrow is going to be firmly pointed up here. Switch hitter, really good contact to us on both sides. I think he could be a plus hit tool guy. Could really use the entire field from both sides of the plate. And I think that power is going to definitely develop. He's 6'2", 170 right now. A lot of projection on that frame. I think he could be a guy that's, you know, maybe maybe he's not plus power, but I think there could be above average raw power in time with a solid run tool as well. Maybe not a blazer, but and the guy that could be a double-digit steal guy moving forward with 20-plus home runs. I think he could maybe not 25 to 30, but low 20s home runs, double-digit steals, good average. Uh, we'll see the walk rate wasn't great in his first year, only 18 walks and 254 play appearances, but the conduct skills are there. We'll see how the approach develops over time. I will say, I said it before, I'm not a big fan of the Angels org, but I, I do love the talent here with Errol Vera. So I think he could be a big riser moving forward. Um, but that's going to wrap us up. Anything else you wanted to get in here, Chris? No, that was a lot of good stuff, though. That's for sure. Yeah, a lot of good names, a lot of breakouts, a lot of breakouts from 2021, a lot of potential breakouts in 2022. So a lot of intriguing names here, but that is going to wrap us up. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to go back and check out our interview with Robert Hassel from Monday. If you missed that, you can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross 04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ or over on our Patreon. And join us again next time for Outfield on Friday. But until then, everyone take care. Asbury, Methodist Village, and Montgomery County take senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal opportunity housing provider. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion?